So this evening I want to preach about one scripture, only one little Bible verse, so it's going to be an easy one to remember, but the beautiful thing about the Bible is one little verse has the power and the potential when we allow the Holy Spirit to work through the Word of God to actually come and change us. I think many times we look that we, we want to be so clever and we want to expound and wax eloquent about lots of different verses, but we, we forget to actually take to heart and to almost eat in a sense, one little one, and say, God, I want this to nourish me, I want this to change me. So I'm going to speak about one verse tonight, but before I get there, I want to quickly tell and give you an illustration to explain why I believe this verse should impact us as much as I believe it will tonight. So, those of you who are in relationships, I know Sean, Sean and Amber, if you can see that So Sean and Amber got engaged on Friday, Thursday. They got engaged on Thursday. And they would testify that if you're in love, it changes you. Am I right, Sean? You're already looking prettier now that you're engaged to Amber. It's doing something for you. You can see when someone falls in love, it just, and any of you ever seen that, it changes people. It changes their phone. Formerly there was just a random picture on the background. Now there's a picture of the girl or the boy. And you see these people walking around in the streets and, and before they were just, I don't know, looking around. Now all of a sudden they're not speaking to anyone but there's a smile on their face. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. When you speak to them and they just start giggling or they look into the distance while you're speaking to them. And you think, what in the world has actually happened to you? Do you know what happened to that person? Love. <laughs> love is a way of actually changing us. When you fall in love, when you really start to love a person, it has a way of impacting you and changing you and actually making you into someone else. I know, for instance, when, when I met Carla, she lived all the way in Swellendam, and I lived in Blowick Strand, where Mac and Nordine currently live, and Mika, sort of, until she moves. And that's about a three hours drive out of, from each other. But when I met this girl, I mean, who can blame me? I, I started changing. So I, I met her at a birthday party, a 30th birthday party, and we did this amazing race. And I saw that she's competitive, and I was like, cool, that's it, I'm going for it. <laughs> I like her. She's got personality, she's competitive, that's, that's the girl I want to marry. It took a while for her to catch on. It took about six months of me really trying and struggling and asking again and again and again until she finally saw the potential in me that God has always seen. <laughs> and she fell in love too. But the thing is, when, I, when we actually started dating, and now that we've gotten married, I have changed a lot. The person before Kala and the person after Kala, Leonard before Kala, BK and Leonard AK after Kaba is actually a different person because love has changed me. It's taught me new things. It's, I sort of adapted in a very good way because of my relationship with her. I can tell you now, I know what peonies are. Impressive, of all the girls are like, that's amazing. I don't know if all the girls know. I can spot an acapanthus in the garden. Those of you know what acapanthus is. I know what a blushing bride is. Right? I've gone to watch plays. I mean, what guy watches plays? <laughs> Some of you. <laughs> Some of you. What else have I done? I've done things that before, in my BK life, cooking, I actually enjoy cooking now. I never enjoy cooking. I can 
like a decent curry if you want to come along to curry. Right? No, 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 that's, that will, no, never. I'll avoid that. I'll avoid that. But the point that I want to make is, Leonard BK is a totally different person to Leonard AK after Kala. Because me being in a relationship with her, I actually changed. And because of my love for her, we actually start sharing interests. And I adapt to start loving the things that she loves. It's not something that I have to force myself into doing. Some of it a little bit, I have to be honest. But a lot of it is just because I love her, I want to adapt and I want to actually change because I want to be closer with my wife. And with our relationship with the Lord, it's actually exactly the same thing. When you come into a relationship with Him, because of your love of Him, you start changing from the inside out. It's not a forced change. Every other religion teaches you, you need to fix yourself, change yourself from the outside in. Fix your actions. But in Jesus Christ, when we enter into a relationship with Him, because our hearts are connected with His, and because we give our lives to Him, we fall in love with this God. He's our friend. He's our lover. Because we fall in love with Him, slowly but surely He changes us from the inside out. And our desires become similar to the desires of God. And God wants us to increasingly fall more in love with Him. Not in an infatuation way. It's not always going to be a tingling feeling. When I first met Carla, I had a tingling feeling all the time. I couldn't stop thinking of her. But as time progresses, in love actually changes to love. And it becomes a choice. And now even though I don't always feel it, I know that I love her and I will keep giving myself to her. The same way you walk with God. It's not always going to feel nice. But if you truly love him, you will keep on giving yourself to him and you will keep on adjusting to a point where I love more and more the things that God loves. My heart starts breaking more and more for the things that break the heart of my God. That is a relationship with him. That's not religion. That's a living relationship with God. Now I want to speak to you about something beautiful in the scripture, this verse that I want to speak about tonight. And it says that as we come closer to God, as we behold God, because it was as I beheld Kadla that I started becoming more like her, honestly. Mac and Dean taught us this, you need to have knee time, they call it. You have to go sit with your knees against each other and have those intimate times of just speaking. Sounds awkward, eh? Wait until you get there, you'll have to do it at some point in your life. But it's as I beheld God that I became always in the same thing. As we behold God, as we walk in a relationship with Jesus, as we behold Him, we become more like Him. And I'm going to get into the nitty gritties. It's not as we read Bible that we become more like Him. It's a controversial statement, I'll explain it now. It's not as we pray that we become more like Him. It's not as we go to church that we become more like Him. It's not that we act more like Christians to become more like Him. It's as we behold Him that we become more like Him. So I want to read to you, this is the, the scripture that I want to speak about. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 16 to 18. And I'm going to explain as I go through. We're going to read it out of the ESV, I think. Yes. So here's this verse. And I'm going to explain. It says... But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. I just want to stop there. I'm going to go through these three verses bit by bit so that you can understand 
what the Bible is trying to teach us here. It says, when you turn to the Lord, the veil is removed. The veil is a thing that covers your face. It says, when you turn to the Lord, who is spirit and his freedom, it says later, he takes the veil away from you. And go to verse 17. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So as this veil is removed, you find freedom in God. And then verse 18. And we all, with unveiled face, I'm going to explain the veil now, with unveiled face, beholding the Lord, that is the crux of tonight, say with me, beholding the Lord, beholding the Lord. Oh, sorry, beholding the glory of the Lord. Wait, let's try that again. One, two, three. (laughs) Beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And in verse 19, you don't have to read it. It says, for where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. How do you become more like Jesus? The veil needs to be taken off. You need to look at Him. Behold the glory of the Lord, and He transforms you from one degree of glory to the next. He makes you more like Him. Now, to understand this verse, you can just go to the first part, the very first part where it speaks about the veil. We don't know this because we're reading this 2,000 years later. When the original readers would have read this, they would have immediately thought about Moses and the veil that was over his face. See, there's a story in the Old Testament. Is that thunder? No, it's a car. Sorry. ADHD. There's a story in the Old Testament where. Hey? There's a thunder. Really? Wow, okay. It is actually. It's the glory of the Lord coming, eh? Okay, cool. It's so nice for me this evening singing Jesus when we see you face to face. It's going to be an amazing day. It is going to be an amazing day. Anyway, the original readers, when they read this, they would have thought of the story of the Old Testament. It's where Moses had the privilege of going up a mountain. God called him up a mountain, and he went up this mountain, he climbed all the way, and the people of God were at the bottom of the mountain, but Moses was the only one that was able to go and be in the presence of God. And he climbed this mountain, and for a couple of days, he was in the presence of God. God spoke to him, the Bible says, face to face. There was face-to-face relationship between God and Moses on this mountain. God gave him the Ten Commandments. God spoke to him. He was in the presence of the living God. He was able to look at God. And then when he went down, just like people are, they forgot about God for the days that Moses was away. Have you ever found it it to be like this? That you sometimes forget about God really quickly? Is it just me? Is it you as well? Anyone else? Okay, any honest people here tonight? Some of you, okay. I'm like, the, I'm like the Israelites. Leave me alone for a few days, God, and I tend to forget about you. It's my human nature. And so these people forgot about God. And when Moses came down, because he was in the presence of God, the presence of God literally made his face to shine. And the people, because of their sin, couldn't even look at the face of Moses, yet alone the face of God. They weren't able to look at the face of Moses. They were so convicted of their sin that Moses had to put a veil over his face. He had to cover the glory of the Lord over him. Now Jesus Christ is a type, or Moses is a type of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. These amazing lessons, these things in the Old Testament, you can read about Jesus in the Old Testament. 
And this story is actually a precursor to what Jesus came to do. You see, Jesus Christ has lived with the Father. He's been in constant communion with the Father. He's on the mountain. He's in heaven with the Father. And then Jesus Christ came down from the Father, came down from heaven, and He came to sinful human beings. This is the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ did not have to do it. But because of His love for us, as people that forget, that make our own idols, that don't forget to serve and run away so quickly, Jesus Christ came to us. And what He says is, no longer do you have to have a veil, like to put a veil in my face in front of me. I want you to see the glory of the Father. The good news of Jesus Christ is that He died in our place. He sacrificed his life so that when the Father looks at you, he no longer only sees your sin, he looks through the blood of Jesus that has washed over every person that calls upon the name of the Lord. He washes you clean. So that now we don't have to be like the old people of the Old Testament, where when we look at God, there's like a veil over our face, where we say, I can't see your glory, God, and there's too much sin in me. Now in the new covenant, this, this verse says, the veil through Jesus Christ has been removed. We can look at God face to face. By the blood of Jesus, we can come to Him and say, not because of the good things that I've done, but because of Jesus' death on the cross and me just crying out in faith to Him. He washes me with His blood. And I can see the glory of the Father. And I can come into His presence as, as I come into His presence, as this veil is removed, as I look upon the glory of the Lord, I am transformed, as the Bible says, from one degree of glory to another. You, you know, our problem is we understand this differently. We human beings go into work mode. We forget about Jesus. We forget that we can come to God by Jesus. We are allowed into His presence, not like the Old Testament where they weren't allowed. We are allowed into His presence. We may come into His presence, but we so quickly distort the gospel forget about Jesus and we do our own thing. So I'm going to read this verse to you and I'm going to read it like our modern readers read this verse that we just spoke about. So firstly, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, but I'm going to read it to you in the, the Babu version. The Babu version is the be a better you version. Okay, I don't know if you've read it, maybe some of you have to know, written by Joel Osteen. That's a joke, that's a joke. That's a joke. I'm sorry, Matthew and Dean haven't learned my bad jokes. I needed to. <laughs> okay, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. And we all, with unveiled faces, sinning less, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Is that correct? No. It's not as we sin less. Does God want us to sin less? Yes, He does. But should we sin less so that we can come into the presence of God? No. Through the blood of Jesus we start sinning less. It's not so that we can come to Jesus. Let me explain it to you. It is... Yes, this wind is quite epic. Jesus died on the cross. He sacrificed for us so that as we are in relationship with Him, we become more like Him. It is not becoming more like Him so that you can be in relationship with Him. It is because you are in relationship with Him that you become more like Him. And so no good works, no sinning less, no good deed can bring you into a place of right standing before God. It's only by Jesus Christ 
It's not as we sin less that we become more like Him. It is as we behold Him and He changes us on the inside. I'll tell you a quick story about this. When I went to study, I, because I was around so many godly people, it was the first time that I slotted into a healthy New Testament seeking church. And I was around these people who truly loved God and they ran fully for God. And because I was around them for the first time, it felt to me like I saw sin in myself. It is as if like I walked with these people and I surrounded myself with them, I felt like, oh my, there's so much gunk in me. And this church, as we do over here, they really sought the presence of God. And every time we went into worship, came into worship, I felt like I stood before God and I was just so aware of the sin in me. And I realized that God wanted to take it away from me. And my first thing, and I was just aware of some specific things that was in my heart. And the first thing that I wanted to do is I wanted to be a better person. I felt like, God, if I would just work hard enough, I can take this away. If I try hard enough, if I renew my mind well enough, if I scold myself well enough every time I feel like sinning, then God, I can become more like you. And I felt God speaking to me one day saying, it's not that. It's as you come into my presence. It's as you behold me that the sin is taken away. And there was a specific thing. It, at one stage, I really, and I've shared this with some of you, I really struggled with jealousy. A lot of jealousy. Comparison. And I couldn't get rid of it. I tried and I tried and I tried and I couldn't. And some shift came in me. It's actually this verse that I read in that time. We are realized I'm doing it wrong. I'm trying in my own strength, but I'm not bringing it before the Lord. I'm not looking at the glory of God. I'm not coming into His presence. And we had a little baby room at the, the place where this church was and where our residence was as well. And that baby room, I literally became like a baby in the baby room. Because every single day when this jealousy, when I was confronted with sin, I said, I'm not going to try and stop it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to run to God. And there was a couple of people that I felt extremely jealous about. Like, I just felt like they were doing everything better than I was. And I had this tug in my heart. It was so difficult. And I remember countless times walking to go hang out with those people, to come into the conversation, to show the people, like, hey, I can also be as cool as this person. Let me just show you. And as I walked there, I realized, you're not doing it right. And I would turn around, and I would walk to the baby room, I would go on my knees, and I would cry out to God. And I would say, God, I want to be close to you. God, I want to be in your presence. God, I know that as I'm closer with you, as I fall more in love with you, you will take this away from me. And eventually, not because of struggling with my sin, but because of looking to the Father, God started taking that thing out of me. It's a supernatural work. Your salvation is supernatural. Your sanctification is just as supernatural. It is as you, the old God. I'm going to read you out of the next translation. This is the SRIV. This is the self-righteous international version. Okay. These are versions that I made up, if you were wondering. They don't exist. And we all, with unveiled face, doing more good things in order to please God, being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Is that right or wrong? It's wrong. We cannot do more good things to please the Father. It's, it's coming before the Father. 
Imagine I were to say to you that I want you to run 100 meters in under 9 seconds. <clears throat> Who thinks they could come close? Fonsale. <laughs> See, Fonsale, you and I have the same problem. <laughs> we always think we can do it. I said to Carla the other day, I, I've got a few sports injuries at the moment. So, over here, this is from uh, going fly fishing with Bella, wherever he is. Then over here, this is from playing squash with a friend. And then, I don't know if you can see how blue my thumb is, but this is from playing uh, driving go-karts yesterday. So I've got this problem, I said to Kwanda, that every time I compete in a sport, I'm convinced that I'm going to win. But I never do. <laughs> but I'm, I'm always convinced, I'm never not convinced. I'm like, I don't care who you are, I'm going to beat you. That's, that's how I feel. Is there anyone else besides myself and Fonsaia? I have Carla. Okay, Carla's like that as well. But anyway, we think that we can do so much. And you know what? God is so gracious. In the Old Testament, He gave the people the laws, not only so that they could obey it and feel good about themselves, but He gave it to them so that they could see that they couldn't, they couldn't accomplish it. Why is the Lord Moses there? To show you that you can't. You should read the Bible. You know what your response should be? God, I can't do this. God, I can't. This is impossible. That's the place where God wants to give you. Christianity is impossible. Outside of a living relationship with God, it's impossible. God will bring you to a place where your own righteousness, your own good deeds, your own work will not be enough. Where you realize that God, I, I need to, I need to give up, Lord. I need to surrender. I need a savior. I need coming here. Okay, the last fake version is the ICSV, it's the Intellectual Christian Standard Version. And it says, and we all, with unveiled face, reading our Bibles a lot, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. You know, you get Christians who believe in the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Scriptures. No, it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now the Bible is good, don't get me wrong. But the Bible is an intellectual exercise that's going to bring you nowhere. It's when the Bible leads you to the person of God that it changes you. When you read the Bible, you need to say, God, I'm looking for you, but I'm looking through the Bible for you. It's not only looking at the Bible, it's looking for God through the Bible. It's when you look through the Bible and you find God that He changes you. It's not through ink on a paper. This is just ink on a paper. But God makes it alive as we look for Him through the Word. It is as you behold it. It's not as you read your Bible. But you can behold it through your Bible. Don't make it intellectual. It is, I've seen more Christians falling away because of intellectualism than because of sin. In Stonehenge, I'm telling you, I've seen more Christians think that they're very clever and get involved in this. There's a saying that says, the Bible is shallow enough for a small child to play in and deep enough for a theologian to drown in. I've seen people, because they misunderstand it, drowning in the Bible. I've seen people losing their faith because they've served the Father, the Son, and the Holy Scriptures. And they forget that this is only for intimacy. That they forget that they need to look at the Bible for the person of God. Don't try and only become clever. It's good that you get to know your Bible, 
but it's so that you can get to know your Savior. And I'm going to read it to you last time in the ESV, and that's the translation Jesus reads. <laughs> and then the Father reads the NASB. <laughs> and we all, with unveiled faces, say it with me, beholding the glory of the Lord, of being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord. Is the Spirit. So I want to encourage you as you go into this holiday time. Some of you might not be, some of you might work right through, but if you get a time to rest, do not rest from beholding the Lord. Do not rest from your relationship with God. Rest from everything else, but never try and rest from God. There is no rest outside of God. You will come back tired next year. Keep spending time with Him. Don't neglect it. Make time for Jesus over this holiday time. Seek Him. Seek Him. Seek Him. Seek Him in the Bible. Seek Him through the Bible. Seek Him through your family. Seek Him. Look for the face of God as you go into this holiday time. Look for the face of God. Behold Him. And that's how we transform. So Christianity can be very complicated, but it can be very simple. Just look for Jesus. Just find His place. As you spend your time with Him, don't just go through a ritual. Say, God, yes, I've got a bit of a ritual when I spend time with God. I always journal, well, mostly journal, read Bible, pray. That's my little ritual. But what I want to do always is say, God, in these things that I do, please help me to find your place. I want to be holy. Otherwise, even that becomes dead. Let's stand. God, we thank you that first with Jesus Christ, that you came down from heaven and you lived the perfect life, the life that we couldn't live. And you put our sins upon your shoulders, Lord, and you died in our place. And we stand here today, Lord, and the only reason we can have a relationship with you is because of this good news, because you died. You took our sin upon your shoulders and you died in our place. Lord, you died on the cross so that we can come before the Father. You broke open the door for us to come to the Father because of your death on the cross, because of your blood that was shed for each one of us. We are allowed to come before you, God, and thank you that we can behold you. Thank you that we can be in a relationship with you. And thank you that as we are in a relationship with you, that we are transformed from one degree of glory to another. Amen. Just keep your eyes closed for a second. I want to give you an opportunity tonight, if you want to make your life right with God, if you want to say, I've never beheld you, God, I've never taken that first step of a relationship with you. I know Christoph, your friend, and I can't remember his name. Andy. Andy. I know Henry said to me tonight, he wants to give his life to Jesus. Maybe there's just... Say thank you to God for a life that wants to be made right. Just thank God for that. Okay, let's keep our eyes closed. Henry, come stand here in front. Come stand here. Let's keep our eyes closed. If you want to be bold enough to join Henry tonight, and this man, you keep your eyes off. Just you can look for a moment. Let me just quickly explain. Sorry, I'm, I'm confusing you. 
But he shared with us tonight that he spent six months in jail now. And he realized that he needs Jesus Christ. He wants to give his life to Jesus. And we want to pray with him tonight. We want to say, yes, God, come and save this man. And then we were sharing, he was sharing his experience of jail. And it's a horrible place. It's horrible. He was there for six months. He said they ate their supper in the mornings and then they didn't have food. They saw no sunlight for days. It was horrible. And I said to imagine how. Imagine a life without Jesus. That's not six months. It's worse than that and longer. But Jesus Christ came and he, he came like he came for, for this man. He came and he said, I will go to jail so that you don't have to be in jail. I will go through the punishment that you deserve so that you can be forgiven. And Jesus wants to forgive souls tonight. So close your eyes, close your eyes for a moment. And if that's you, if you realize that, man, I deserve jail, I deserve hell, I don't deserve a life everlasting. I know I, I've tried to be a good person, but outside of Jesus, I'm not good enough. If that's you and you want to reach out to Jesus tonight with Henry, then I want to ask you, just raise your hands and I know that I can pray for you. Is there anyone like that? pray for Henry. Let's get a few people around him and let's, as we end this evening, let's pray for him. Celebrate one sinner coming into the kingdom of God, one person becoming a Christian tonight. Let's celebrate it.